it does not make sense to save the climate in the US or to save the climate in Europe or to save animal, the, the American animals and the, and the German animals. It's happening here, you know, and uh, even if meat consumption is stagnating there, the meat factories will still keep on producing because they're just sending it down here. So this is a good place to invest, you know, and uh, we slowly see signs, you know, fintech. We have our first unicorns and I hope it trickles down to plant-based. It's kind of expensive or we think plant-based eating is expensive because, you know, if you're trying to do smoothies or you're trying to eat salads, these things are expensive in the grocery stores. Um, so it's it's also like, oh, it's like an elite something, you know, that came from outside. So it's, it's something that a certain class of people aspire to be, oh, I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian um, versus you grew up on this, you know, you eat this every morning, you do this every day, your parents have been doing it, you just didn't realize. Africa as a continent is importing 40 billion US dollars more worth of food than it exports every single year. And to learn more that a lot of those imports are meat and dairy products just really speaks clearly to how unsustainable this path to development is. I feel like Western investors and investors in general really just need to understand the potential for African agriculture. Right now, a quarter of the agricultural land in the world is on the African continent. And, you know, in the scenario where everyone in the world is vegan, Africa alone could feed the entire world one and a half times over. Hey, you are plant-based. How do you get a crayfish aroma? And I said, why don't you mix your ginger, garlic, and add your yuhu to it? Then you're good to go. Iri is actually locust-based. So I think the trend, uh, because uh, we want to act like the foreigners are doing, the Westerners, we want to cook like them, we want to eat like them. That's where the problem starts from. We need products that really work for Africans that convince Africans, you know, and are affordable, available, and taste, you know, and otherwise we're going to do the typical, yeah, 4% vegetarians, 1% vegans in the world. That's not, that's not going to change much. Otherwise they just eat some, some chicken two years, two years ago killed in, in China, you know, and then it's ending up here, you know. Before we get into it, I want to touch on some of the challenges and opportunities. There's malnutrition due to protein deficiency, and that's the fact that the price is very high for meat and it's also very low quality. There's also diet-related diseases like hypertension and diabetes that are growing at a substantial rate, also due to meat consumption. Plus, the meat market is expected to grow 300% until 2050. Whereas on the opportunity side, there's going to be a huge surge of population predicted to be doubling to 2.5 billion, also by 2050. So let's kick it off by getting the introductions from the panelists. Hi, my name is Ashiaki wilson Tay. I'm from Accra, Ghana, and I'm the co-founder of Tamlin Foods here in Ghana. We make plant milk and flour from the tropical almond nut, which is located in temporal regions of the world. We're established in 2019. And since then, you know, it's, it's been up and down because we hit COVID in 2020, but we've really picked it up in 2021. Um, we've hit a bunch of grocery stores. We're in the process of working with major hotels. So yes, we're getting Talmud out there and we're educating the Ghanaian people on the benefits of plant-based um, eating. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And Sunny, it'd be great to hear from you next. Yes, absolutely. And Ashiaki, it was awesome just to learn a little bit more about Talman Foods. To introduce myself, my name is Sunny Sattva. I'm the founder of the Vegan Africa Fund, which I started earlier this year as I recognized this huge capital and infrastructure gap across Africa. So I'm a diasporist. Um, I'm based between Las Vegas, Nevada in the States and Mombasa, Kenya. And earlier this, in 2021, I was exploring the Kenya coast and came across the first vegan restaurant in Kenya called Vegan Basket. And I got to know the owners and their story and the founders inspired me so much to the point that I started personally investing in their business and realized that with the kind of impact I wanna make, it really can't just be me investing one-off in my local vegan restaurant. It really does have to build the network and the movement for impact. So I founded the Vegan Africa Fund and we launched VAP, which is our network cryptocurrency to support an African vegan future. 
And I'm incredibly excited to be fundraising for the first round of our fund to be meeting and networking with the founders, um, like all of you today on this panel and to learn and grow more with the African ecosystem because Anant, as you said, some of the biggest growth potential in the world, I think, is on the African continent. For sure, thank you so much. And Bola. My name is Oyebola Adeyoju, co-founder of VeggieBictory, the first plant-based food tech company in Nigeria. VeggieBictory story started in the year 2013. We started with a restaurant. Out of demand from our customers, uh, we moved into a meat substitute because uh, people come to the restaurant and they tried the meat. They've never been, they, they were not aware that you can go plant-based on Nigerian meals. And they come to the restaurant, they were seeing other things. So that was when the demand comes for V-Chunks. That's the first plant-based uh, meat substitute in Nigeria. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. Over to you, Hakeem. Yes. Hi, everyone. Great to be here. My name is Akim. I'm the other co-founder of Victory in Lagos, Nigeria. And what Bola didn't say is she is the brain behind the product development. So she really figured out um, how a meat substitute should taste for, especially for African recipes. So the idea is really that um, on the continent, we have our own meat substitutes that really work um, the way we eat and not, I always say, some burgers from somewhere. A little bit background from my side, uh, I've been Vegetarian, 19 years, and then an additional uh, vegan, uh, eight years. So altogether some 26 years. And it really came that um, there was no restaurant. I could really eat what I wanted to eat, especially typical Nigerian um, meat delicacies. You know, we have a kind of jerky or suya. And then uh, I, my first pitch was uh, for Bola to say, hey, let's let's do something about it. And that's Veggie Victory. Thank you, Hakeem. So let's stick with you to kick off this discussion. What does plant-based eating in Africa actually mean? It's really uh, uh, the greatest question, you know, because there's a lot of misconception about plant-based eating in Africa. It is actually, uh, I would say, the, the traditional African cuisine or its regional cuisines are very plant-based um, by default, but we never made a fuss out of it. You know, it was now with the colonial times that this meat thing came in, very similar to the Western world, where meat consumption was also never as high as now. So you find that most African dishes, I, I just generalize, you know, uh, Sunny is in East Africa, uh, Kiki is not far in Ghana, but it's similar. I hear similar stories from, from Botswana, from South Africa. And there is, it, there is a similar way of cooking, you know. And it was never really much meat, you know. Um, if you talk to elderly people, they will say, uh, oh, we ate uh, three times in a year some red meat. You know, or chicken was not every day like now. It was maybe once a month or whatever. You know, you grow your own animals. So it was much more sustainable. And this animal farming came in much later. And uh, the, the, the must almost for every meal have meat. The overall consumption of meat is actually quite low. It's still low in Africa. There were numbers like in, uh, I think it came from Southern Africa, like um, uh, on, uh, in a year, uh, they eat per, per hat five kilograms of chicken compared to 120 kilograms of chicken in, in the U.S. So that's like over 20 times more, you know. So we still don't eat much meat, but it's not going to stay like that forever if we're not acting now. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the population growth, the numbers will go up, and we see that already in China uh, they used to eat five kilograms of, of meat, and now they are jumping to 60. And if we do that here, then we are going to be the problem of meat production, meat consumption in the future. Right now, we are not. But so the idea is, let's do the leapfrogging like in many other things, you know, um, and uh, try to avoid meat. Because also, we don't have all this health uh, thing you guys have, just as a little intro from my side. But Bola can definitely talk more about plant-based eating. She has been there from the beginning, you know, and uh, and also happy to hear from how is it going in in, uh, in Kenya. There's a much larger vegetarian community, you know, with the Indian influence. But um, yeah. Team, I love hearing your insights on, you know, from your perspective, the plant-based roots of Africa, because I see this 
really huge legacy of eating plant-based across the continent. I've been you know, networking with people in the startup space for the past year. And as I speak about the Vegan Africa Fund, whether someone's vegan or not, a lot of the time people will tell me like, oh yeah, like, you know, my grandma's plant-based and she's been plant-based for her whole life. And there's this kind of like theme that I'm starting to see where the, the vegan movement is so much more ingrained in the roots of Africa. And just to speak, Hakim, to what you recently said, there's kind of this, a bit of a worrying shift in the rest of the world where, you know, the Indian subcontinent for the first time is now eating 50% of the population is eating meat. Before that, it was basically majority vegetarian forever. Um, and I feel like Africa is going through the same thing where the majority of the population in, in Kenya, you know, is very plant-based. Um, I grew up in the States and I remember the first time, you know, eating traditional Kenyan food on the coast or eating ugali na sukumawiki, which is ugali, which is maize meal and sukumawiki. And it reminded me a lot of soul food from the South in the States, which is like grits and collard greens. It's the same food that's translated across the continent and across the world. And to me, it's just, it shows how strong that those plant-based roots are. And I think there's a lot of energy behind the movement and plant-based eating really is eating healthy and just eating a traditional way that fuels your body well. That's great to hear, Sunny. Um, I, I just want to jump in. I don't know how it is um, in Kenya or in Nigeria, but I feel like in Ghana, there's we see the plant-based diet as an import um, so it's more like, oh, with the growing population of, uh, of ex expats or the growing population of the diaspora, you know, more people are becoming aware, you know, more people want vegan options, more people want vegetarian options. But like you guys are saying, like, this is something that, um, especially with Ghanaians, we eat a lot of rice and beans. Like this is, you know, this is the meal you, you, you get on your way to work. You know, it's called wachi. And, and, and somehow we've dressed it up to include the eggs, the fish, the chicken, the sausage, you know? Um, so those are the accessories that it comes with. But we eat a lot of rice, as you know, in Africa, we eat a lot of beans, you know, we eat a lot of maize, a lot of corn, a lot of our, our, our staples are like kinky is corn-based, they're fermented and stuff like that. So I think it has to do with the idea of um, the import, you know? So it's, it's like, it, it's kind of expensive or we think plant-based eating is expensive because, you know, if you're trying to do smoothies or you're trying to eat salads, these things are expensive in the grocery stores. Um, so it's, it's also like, oh, it's like an elite something, you know, that came from outside. So it's, it's something that a certain class of people aspire to be, oh, I'm vegan, I'm vegetarian um, versus you grew up on this, you know, you eat this every morning, you do this every day, your parents have been doing, it, you just didn't realize, um, so that's 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 one aspect. And then I also want to talk about the dairy aspect moving from meat. Um, that's another um, um, factor of, of, of plant based eating because oh, in, in, in Ghana, we were, we were just swamped with dairy um, and we actually import uh, most of our, our dairy, our dairy milk. Um, we have so much, so many crops in Ghana that we can use to do plant-based, um, plant-based milk. We have the tiger nut, you know, we have the cashew, we have the peanuts, you know, there's so many things that we can do, but it's just not something that I, I don't want to say it's not encouraged, but we're definitely swallowed up by dairy, um, dairy options. We're definitely swallowed up by the ideals and the peaks and the evaporated and the powdered milk. So that's, that's, that's my two cents. Yeah, just holding on the topic of ingredients. Obviously, uh, Kiki, you mentioned there that uh, a lot of the dairy is is imported, and you know, especially the the types of nuts that are homegrown that you're creating out of almond is not so widely used outside of Africa. But the the nut is you know grows quite well. Can you just explain a bit more about that? and you know, the types of foods that you can actually grow in Africa that is gonna be beneficial for plant-based companies to be created. So almond is basically, we work off of the tropical almond um, nut and there's so many species of nuts out there, it's over 500. And there's the conventional almond, which we all know the ones that come from California mostly. So 80% of the world's almonds are grown in California. Um, but that requires a lot of artificial irrigation and then you have the tropical almond nut, which is a different kind of almond, which grows in temperate regions. So you can find it along the coast of, of West Africa. You can find it in Asia. You can find it in the Caribbean. Um, so we have those two. But uh, again, we're, we're living in a world of dairy. So not too many people 
see a nut, be it the chocolate almond nut or the cashew or the peanuts. Like we didn't really know much about peanut um, milk until very recently and we eat peanuts. Um, so we have all these options that are slept on um, and I don't know whether it's due to education or it's 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 it's, it's something that we're still figuring figuring out. But yes, we we have there's so many crops that are nuts that we haven't even um, explored that we can use to, to 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 create milk as an alternative to dairy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bola, you've been experimenting a lot with with different types of ingredients, obviously from your your product range, but also from from the restaurant. Can you explain a little bit about the sort of things that you've been seeing locally? Okay, so the issue started from we Africans always like trying to forget our roots because if you talk about the way we eat pre colonial era. Uh, there are some dishes, like most of the food that I'm Yoruba, like I'm from the Western part of Nigeria. And most of our meals, if, I, if you look about t- the typical Nigerian cuisine, typical Yoruba cuisine, they are mostly plant-based. Like you have something like uh, corn and beans, called, there is a, a meal, a plate called egbo. So you use corn and beans for that. We have uh, jogi, we have alakwa. Jogi, when I say jogi, jogi is like mixture of melon seed, and yeah. beans. So that's like a source of protein, plant source of protein, mostly. So we uh, usually, uh, our great grandparents, they usually eat most of plant-based meal. And then when they want to, maybe they went to, for like to hunt animals. That's the only time they have, uh, they have meat on their plate. And also like chicken, when, when it comes to, okay, imported chicken, and it's like uh, a luxury that everybody is looking forward to like, when I get to a certain stage in life, I have to have this. And then we tend to forget about our roots, how we used to eat, what we used to do. So you see like now, if you go to the market, you see a lot of imported uh, spices from the market with chemicals. Whereas we have um, our own homegrown spices like ginger, ginger is everywhere. Turmeric is everywhere, garlic is everywhere. We have the local spices, like you have the clove, Clove, you know, you, you can use your clove as tea. Aside from being the spices, you can boil it as tea. And we have this, uh, you know, um, like I said, I'm from uh, in West Africa. I'm sure my Ghanaian sister knows that. Gary. Gary is like a very, very popular delicacy for us. Like when you go to school under the uh, uh, burning sun and your back, you put Gary in water. The water yeah. you know, is fermented. It's actually fermented cassava flake. So it's, it's like it has gone through, through the fermenting process. So you have your probiotic there. So why do we have to always source for yogurt to get our probiotic? So it's like when you go to school, you come back, you soak your gari, you're drinking the water. That water is soothing enough. It calms your nerves and everything. Same thing with the spices. We have them. We have locust beans. Locust beans is like the most cheapest ingredient that you can buy in the market you buy it like you just go to your market and it can be used in any delicacy so when you want so most time people ask you about oh uh, you are plant-based how do you get a crayfish aroma and i said why don't you mix your ginger garlic and add your iru to it then you're good to go iru is actually locust based so i think the trend uh, because uh, we want to act like the foreigners are doing the westerners we want to cook like them we want to eat like them that's where the problem starts from and then the way the population is growing. Can we actually cater for animal protein? Can we cater for that? Are we ready for the crisis when it comes? Yeah, maybe I can add something. Um, so the pattern is clear. We are changing our diet to the not to the better, um, yeah. according to Western diet, and then that's where a lot of animal products come in. And uh, there even there even um, statistics there that are um, or. Um, reports that uh, the lacto intolerance, and that's where it connects to Kiki again, the lacto intolerance is very high in, in Africa. Um, they made some studies for West Africa, for Nigeria, it's like in the high 90s, you know, um, lacto intolerance, but we are being um, overwhelmed with dairy products uh, and uh, yogurt, um, milk, powdered milk, you know, that also causes the problem of uh, um, breastfeeding, you know, it's uh, um, so it's really literally uh, Africa has become a dumping ground for many things, you know, but also food things. Um, 
and uh, and plus we don't have that medical infrastructure you know so once you are on on blood pressure on uh, diabetes it's really a big problem for this population here because we don't have money for the medicine we don't have the um, all these things so it is really uh, becoming urgent i think that is across africa the same thing Bola, you were saying that um, the population is growing and you know at some point we may not be able to sustain the um, with animal animals and stuff like that. My question is, if we do decide to, you know, grow, continue um, investing in agriculture over here, like, we'll, or, or with the agriculture as it is, will we be able to sustain? Because in my experience, we have, we've spoken to, you know, certain organizations and stuff like that, trying to get funding or assistance and whatnot. And you usually get the, oh, we're not really doing um, your crop. You know, it's like, if it's not the main crops like cocoa or cashew or, you know, peanuts and stuff like that, you're not really getting, um, you're not really getting um, support. So yes, I, I hear you when you say we may not be able to stay with me, but if we decide to, if we say, okay, we're going to switch to plant-based diets for the, the population, are we going to get the support? Are we going to be able to do it? Because it comes with, like, we need the government supports. We need we need people to say, okay, you know, let, let's invest over here. Not just say, let's just do the cash ones or the ones that are popular, the ones that are um, um, are known. But can we can we sustain that realistically? I, I don't know about in, in Nigeria and Kenya, but I don't know, Ghana, it's... I don't know. Economically, if I can just chip in, we cannot sustain it. Like uh, um, I found out that half of the meat consumption in Nigeria is already imported. Importation means you're paying with dollars, you know? So Nigerian government, if you have seen the Naira has been devalued by half, you know, over the last, what, 12, 24 months. And so they are looking everywhere. How can we save uh, dollars, you know? And now they are talking about to stopping uh, to stop wheat wheat importation you know well what about the meat you know uh, uh, that is even a higher factor you know um, so yeah it always I'm always hesitant when you say the government the government but uh, because they are not going to act they don't even see that as a problem you know um, but um, um, if there is change it has to come from the from the private sector but actually the the problem is so big that you need some government policy yeah. What is the issue at the moment with securing funding, both from the government and private investors and maybe even institutions? Externally, not now. So I've had, because we're trying to raise um, around last year, I've had foreign investors say, oh, you know, Africa, will your government give us trouble? You know, we don't want to deal with your government, so we're going to back off or we're, we're going to pass on this one. Um, locally, again, We've had private organizations, and I will not name them, but um, these are European organizations that would say, we're just focusing on cocoa. We're just focusing on cashew. What is this crop you're talking about? You know, and it's like for our crop, for example, we've had um, algorithms and associations from time years ago, and they're trying to get the government um, just some kind of um, awareness. You know, they, they're just trying to be seen. And I'm talking years ago, like 20, 30 years ago. Um, and you just have the government or these organizations saying, we're not interested. So it, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult. It, it really is difficult when it comes to funding because you have to convince people, you have to educate the masses, first of all, then you have to educate the organizations, you have to whet the appetite of the government. And it's usually if there's no financial gain to it, you're probably not going to get, um, or if they don't think there's a financial gains, you're probably not going to get the support that you're looking for. So it's rough. It's rough um, raising funds um, down here. It's 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 been difficult because it's you, you you don't just have to prove yourself, but you have to educate people on 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 what it is. The big issue with uh, you know raising funds is always like um, there's a certain certain way of life that people are used to. Uh, they are used to you know uh, all these common animal products and. Uh, that uh, you go, you now go to them, you approach them, you say, oh, I have a product uh, which is plant-based and everything. The first question that, that comes to mind or they ask you is like, who is buying this? Who is going to buy this? This will not work. And uh, um, yeah, if, I, if I'm an investor, I mean, I'm an investor, I'll think very well, like think very, very, very well before I can invest in a business that I feel will not be successful. Like it's like unreal to them. 
So I think uh, where we have to come in is we have to create more awareness because we have to create demand for our products for people to, to really know. When you talk about Nigeria economy now, it's very, very bad. And, and I feel a lot of people are now coming back and going back to the roots whereby uh, they are going, they are sourcing, making their uh, soya beans, milk at home, yes. compared to going to the market to get the you know pasturated animal milk. So um, it's like, it will get to a stage. The, the, the focus will come to plant-based, focus will come to agriculture. But before it gets there, we have a lot of work to be done. We have to educate people. We have to let people know what we are doing, the excess we are actually bringing on ourselves because we want to, you know, we want to act the way some people are acting. Bola, I feel like Western investors and investors in general really just need to understand the potential for African agriculture. Right now, a quarter of the agricultural land in the world is on the African continent. And, you know, in the scenario where everyone in the world is vegan, Africa alone could feed the entire world one and a half times over. So there's there's so much potential. And, you know, just speaking from the Kenya coast, there is so much abundance and, you know, very sought after vegan materials, things like cashews and jackfruits, which are growing abundantly. Um, lots of coconuts, which are being processed into everything from cultured coconut yogurt to coconut milk. Um, and I think that, you know, it's hard to, as an investor and as a funder, when you're investing in food products, you really want to try the food. You have to know that it tastes amazing, that it's going to perform well in the market. And of course, you need to be on the continent or you need to be able to access the products in order to actually, you know, see if that's something you can see yourself investing in. And I think that that's another barrier is just having investors on the continent with a focus on the plant-based future of Africa. That's part of why I launched the Vegan Africa Fund because I saw how clear this gap was and how much struggle that there is to access these external funds and it's so necessary so sunny if you can stay on that point it's really important for everyone to know like in terms of your fund how have you been able to convince especially investors in africa and also outside africa and kiki touched on like european investors having certain opinions of certain ingredients for example types of companies they want to invest in what's gonna boost more funding from your opinion i definitely feel like a focus on regenerative agriculture and food forests is very, very crucial. Um, really focusing on vertical integration on the supply chain, but also a focus into mushrooms and fungi innovation, I think is going to be huge. For me, I think the vegan movement has to be um, hand in hand with the mushroom movement and mushroom growth because um, you know it's one of the largest living organisms on the planet. And one really interesting phenomenon across Africa is there's a lot of development happening, but not a lot of research and development. And so there's this really big gap where, you know, technologies and infrastructure that's been tried in the West or in the East is brought to Africa without much improving upon it as far as a sustainability improvement or an eco improvement. Um, and one thing that we're really hoping to fund in one way we're helping, you know, explaining this to investors is we're investing in the network, we're investing in growing the plant-based network, um, but we're also investing in innovation and in research and in getting infrastructure and labs built so that we can, you know, come up with this, you know, increased food tech, increased food science um, to actually be able to support the vegan movement. And I'm really interested and um, all of the innovation mushrooms, especially, I think that's going to be a big move for the continent. Yeah, I agree. I think the the mushroom space is super exciting, especially when you start looking at uh, medicinal mushrooms and how that's going to help in the future. But also using mushrooms, obviously, as a as a plant based um, substitute for for meat products and the versatility. Uh, of, of fungi that you have. There's like everything from mushroom-based leather materials, vegan leather materials, as well as mushrooms that can eat plastic. Um, and I think that that's another, you know, there's a huge issue in across Africa with plastic and pollution now. And there's just so much space for innovation in that. Um, so the Vegan Africa Fund, you know, we're supporting um, food-based initiatives and projects, but as well plant-based and vegan initiatives that support innovation and just sustainable development and really having impact on personal well-being and planetary well-being. Mm. And in terms of talent with universities and, and collaborations, 
Um, yes. How do you think we can encourage that stream of students and new entrepreneurs to come out from the universities, but also to concentrate on the, the science aspect of figuring this out as well? Yeah, so I'm really excited um, about a program that Stellenbosch University in South Africa is launching through their launch lab. It's an incubator space specifically for plant-based businesses, and that's going to launch early in 2022 with a focus on South Africa initially. But once that program is successful, it's meant to you know expand through the whole continent. Um, so I'm expecting to be working closely with them to help them you know scale these businesses. But I think we just have to, you know, capital is really key in order to build a business, you know, students who want to take a chance on themselves, take a chance on their business, they have to know that they have, a. I think partnerships are really key and building the network is really key. Um, and that's something that we're actively working to provide that foundation layer for. You have to really understand the African consumers, you know, and they are very conservative. Uh, you can come with all great ideas and this and sell meat and, and uh, tempeh and stuff, you know. Listen, that's not even mainstream in the Western world, you know. Yeah, if you I always, I'm, I'm a very outspoken person when it comes to where are we as the vegan movement. Yeah, in Berlin, you know, cool, you know, New York, great, Portland. That's not, that's not the reality. You know, I'm half German also, half Nigerian. If you go to countryside Germany, it's a different ball game. Nobody's talking about tempeh there, you know. Africa is worse, you know. Uh, they, they are very aspirational people. Aspirational, but not with a lot of purchase power. They rather trade the, the next extra dollar they have into meat because it has this... Um, prestigious aspect, very similar to, to Europe in the a couple of hundred years ago. It's not so alien, you know, it, um, vegetables, potatoes were for poor people, you know, meat was for the, for the um, nobility, you know, so it's, it's very similar here. We need products that really convince people and are not considered poor man's food. Like we have, I always say, we have soy chunks. Why does soy chunks and they are dirt cheap? Why didn't it go anywhere? Especially in Kenya, you have this saucy stuff, you know, who's eating it? You know, that's not mainstream. That's not how we're going to do impact. That's maybe the 1% that hipster vegan thing in, in the Western world. If we want to make an impact, we have to go outside the big cities I mean, where people live, 70% of Africans still live in rural area, you know? You can't come with Beyond Meat Burger that needs a refrigeration and, and this and that, and South Africa. Sorry, I'm, I, like, I like sometimes discussions that are a bit, you know, stubborn, you know? Uh, South Africa, it depends on where it's coming from. Stellenbosch, I don't know, you know? That's not where many black people live, you know? Uh, so we need products that really work for Africans that convince Africans, you know, and are affordable, available, and taste, you know? And otherwise, we're going to do the typical, yeah, 4% vegetarians, 1% vegans in the world. Well, that's not, that's not going to change much. Otherwise, they just eat some, some chicken two years two years ago killed in, in China, you know, and then it's ending up here, you know? That's the reality. And it's growing, you know? It's not that we are on a vegan uh, uh, cloud seven here, you know? The, the reality is it's growing. Meat consumption is growing, you know? It's not, it's not gonna go half in 2040 or all that, huh? you know? Um, well, that's just my two cents, you know? So then, um, and jumping on on taste, this is actually something that my partner and I um, we go back and forth about because she is the product. She's a scientist, so she does the product development. And almond milk, it's relatively new, and I'm talking like the imported ones, relatively new. Um, especially when you have like products like Root Health, which is you know straight up, it doesn't have any. Um, the original ones doesn't have any, you know, sugar or anything like that. So we have two flavors with Talmud. We have the unsweetened and then we have the cinnamon sweetened. And my partner, um, she's, I'm more like, we have to make it really sweet, you know, because there's a convincing aspect, you know, I know, I know who we are as Ghanaians. Like if it's sweet, we're drinking it, unfortunately. There's not too many um, people who, 
the population of people who actually care about the health of it, um, it's not that great right now. So it's like, I, I am from, I come from a place saying, let's make what tastes good to get like, this is how we, this is how we get them, we get their buy-in, you know? Uh, and, and it's something that I, I, I struggle with. It's like, do we do the direct education and say, you know, this is good for you, you know, try it. Or we say, we're going to make it sweet. You know, we're going to make it what you, you usually like compared to not Coke, but, you know, maybe fruit juice or something like that to lure you in and, and to, to, to rope you in. And that's, that's taste is really, taste is really key when it comes to convincing, convincing the market around here. I mean, health is always, that's the thing, you know, I mean, uh, we can talk about health and we can talk about plant-based, you know, um, and uh, market strategies, you know, um, if it's, if it's, if, if it's sugar, you know, I'm pragmatic, you know, uh, I, I would guess a, a almond milk is still, is still healthier, even with sugar than, than some imported, sugar, uh, <laughs> no sugar. Yeah, or a, a sweet talman milk is, is is still better than than a, an unsweet whatever you know. Um, well, we need to convince the, the consumers, you know. Otherwise, we are we're staying in our bubble, you know, uh, fantasizing uh, how uh, how is Africa becoming vegan, and it's it won't, you know. We need uh, we need the products that work. Otherwise, um, other products will come up, you know, and then it's just. Um, um, hoping against hope that those products will be vegan, you know, like uh, ramen noodles, you know, um, which chicken flavor. Actually, there's no chicken in it, you know. It's actually a vegetarian product. But is it healthy? No, it's not. But if it if it uh, keeps people away from uh, uh, eating more chicken, well, then you know, it's it's we, we always, I guess, everywhere we have that discussion. Are we um, are we idealists, you know, or are we uh, try, what are we trying to do here? And then there's the mentality of it. So for something like milk, when we say, oh, plant-based milk, they're like, oh, why is it milk if it's not coming from a cow? Or something like um, uh, tofu suya, which I tried it years ago. This is when I was uh, transitioning and it was just awesome. Like it, it was it was really good. But it's like something like that. It's, it's very difficult to convince the, the, the average Ghanaian, try this instead of your, your beef or your lamb or whatever kebab that you we call it kebabs over here um but tofu suya is so good i i think so i personally think so but it's like it's very difficult for me to tell people hey let's go to that vegan restaurant you just don't even have these we have we have soy you know it's like why why don't we have these on the market like i went to a restaurant last week and i asked for um tofu sushi nope we don't have that what you know, so, and it tastes, to me, it tastes good. I, I, I really don't think that it would take much convincing, but it's actually, the reality of it is so hard. You, you just can't get over the, it's not meat or it's not from a cow. Um, so I think once we once we do that, we'll, we'll make some progress. And how is, uh, you know, the consumers reacting to your marketing efforts? I mean, how do you think it's different from maybe the Western world of marketing to each of your countries makes effective marketing for plant-based products. Is it to touch on the health aspect? Is it around sustainability? Is it around animal welfare? Or is it really trying to get them to taste the product and convince them that way? It's taste in my experience. And we, we tried, you know, in the beginning, Ellie and I were trying to educate people and we still do, um, but we've doubled down on actually having people taste the product um, and then be like, oh, it's actually good versus us giving them some kind of theory. You know, we're talking about um, climate change or we're talking about, you know, the animals, they're killing the animals. It's, it's not, um, this is not something that the average Ghanaian thinks about when they wake up. You know, so it's, 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 it's we, we found that it's better to, not to say we've put education on the back burner, um, but we found that it's better to hit them with the taste, like the experience first, and then give them the story. My experience in the, of Nigerian markets, uh, it has to be, um, you have to come from the benefits the individual is getting from the product. That's, you talk from the health aspects of it, and also you have to make a very nice and tasty product. Uh, the product has to be close to whatever you are trying to them to substitute the product with. Um, like uh, when we started with, uh, with our product V-Chunks, uh, it's always like easier to convince people, somebody that is living with a non-communicable diseases because um, before the product was out, uh, there's always this problem of what can I eat? When the doctors say, oh, you know, you have a very high cholesterol, you have to reduce your, your beef or your, you know, animal, animal protein. And it's always like, oh, so I'm going to eat 
bland. I'm going to eat without, you know, without something to chew. And um, meat to meat, what I feel is, is like a mind thing. So they needed uh, something that acts like that beef in, on their plate and that is chewy like this. So that's where our product comes in. So when people try, like people that are living with that has any one health condition or the other, it's always easier for them. It's always easier for them to adopt it because you know it's like it's filling a gap for them. So when you now talk about convincing, you know, uh, someone who is not, you know, health conscious, who 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 doesn't care about the planet or something, so it has to come from oh, you know, you can actually add this to your, you know, to your dishes because people like varieties. If you look at the Nigerian dishes, you are, they, they, there is this word, orishirishi, which means different kinds of things. So uh, if they are cooking a, a pot of soup, it has to have like beef, crayfish, chicken, fish in it. So convincing uh, a, a customer like, like that, you have to tell them like, oh, you know what? You have to add this plant-based meat to your diet. You can add it to your orishirishi. It can serve as this, it can serve as this. And with time, you know, the education comes from there and you're able to, to, to convince them. Yeah, if, if you're looking at, you know, globally uh, beef consumption, uh, and if you relate that to CO2 emissions, and if it was gonna be a, a country, it would be third, you know, uh, after uh, America and China. So having these add-ons for, for beef is just like terrible for the planet, right? Um, so we, we definitely want them to taste the alternative and then realize the texture and the, and the taste is just as good and you're gonna be a lot healthier from having it than, than choosing the beef product, right? Yeah. So you need, you need to, to, to kind of uh, get them to try it first. Yeah. Let them try it and get used to it. So it's, it's, yeah, it's a, cause if you talk to like an average Nigeria, if you talk about, you know, planet, the, uh, the, what the uh, cattle rearing is doing to the planet, they will start laughing at you. There's this word that, oh, it's one death that will kill you. So they don't care about that. <laughs> like, Something must kill a man. So if I can use like the, the, the pigeon slang, they will say, oh, now one death will keep pesting. So it means like you die from, something mm -hmm. so it, it doesn't concern it's like they're not even taking time to think about you know what this thing is about but if you talk about oh you know if you have this um if you have higher cholesterol or you have to pre you, it prevent this if you go more had more plant-based uh things to your it makes you look you know the look is a very crucial thing makes you look good you feel good you know makes you healthy they are willing to listen. And then also for those ones that are saying, oh, I don't care, I eat, uh, this is how we've been eating. You tell, you come, okay, you know, add it to your diet and with time, they cut down, you know, uh, uh, it, 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 it's a gradual thing, it's a gradual process. So first we need to get them to try it and also cultivate the habits of reducing the, you know, the animal source they are using. So we have a plane and then we have one with more personality. The older generation and those with diabetes and stuff, you don't, they don't need convincing. They don't really have a choice, you know, and most of them actually go for the plain, which um, if, if you're not, a, if you're not, if you're not someone who really enjoys the taste of nuts, because that's all it is, because we don't have additives and stuff, you won't really appreciate the, 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 the plain, but you have the older generation, the, 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 those who have medical conditions, they go for, they don't even want the cinnamon, you know, they don't want the sweetened, they just want the plain as it is, and they, you don't have to you don't have to say it twice about the younger generation i mean are they looking for these role models to say okay this person looks great or, and they're super healthy so you've got the western role models that especially plant-based companies would have these ambassadors for example are there enough ambassadors in, in africa especially to convince the younger generation and maybe the older generation too i can say something you know because i'm every day in the marketing that's one thing I am not happy on the continent that uh, the millennials are definitely haven't gotten that message. You know, um, um, as Kiki was saying and Bola, that we have an opportunity to get to those that consider health conditions. You know, because once you are mid mid age, you have problems here, and that aggravates here. But the the younger ones, uh, obviously, they don't have many health issues. 
for them, it's not a it's not a big deal. You know, they want to start enjoying life, and meat is is that. It's completely different than millennials or younger generation in the Western world that are really worried about the the the, the planet. You know, um, altogether, I'm I'm optimistic. You know, because um, um, we we have these health challenges on the continent, um, and People are realizing it, especially with the pandemic, that if your personal, if your individual health is not on top, you know, don't rely on hospitals. We don't have them. Medicine, we don't have it, you know. So it's your personal health. So it's a unique opportunity to, to get more people, you know, and it's going down uh, from before it was six people in their 60s, now it's in their 50s and 40s, and it's going down, you know, because these problems, uh, it's really affecting people. Um, the other chance we have here in Africa is that people don't expect very much of meat. You know, I always say, you know, Paula, maybe assist me there. As long as there's something on top of the rice, you know, very similar to Ghana, it's fine. In the Western world, oh, my salmon, you know, my my tuna fish, you know, uh, my steak. We don't, we are, we're not fuzzy people like that. There has to be something chewy. And we can do that with plant-based or whatever, you know. It, but it must be affordable, not not more expensive. But we have the chance to find products that actually convince people. That's what Bola is doing with uh, Bichons. You know that it actually people are always standing in our restaurant and say, "No, this must be meat. Don't tell me it's not meat." You know. So we have that opportunity. It's different than the Western world, where most people can afford meat. You know, not everybody, but most people, and they are. They're quite spoiled, you know, and oh, this is not a T-bone steak, you know. Last thing I want to say, the funding, basically to, to wrap up my thing here, it's if we go plant-based, there is, there is the, what to say, obligation from, from impact investors to look at Africa, because I always say it does not make sense to save the climate in the US or to save the climate in Europe or to save animal, the, the American animals and the, and the German animals. It's happening here, you know, and uh, even if even if meat consumption is is stagnating there, the meat factories will still keep on producing because they're just sending it down here. Um, so it's this is a good place to invest, you know, and uh, we slowly see signs, you know, fintech. We have our first unicorns and I hope it trickles down to plant-based. Yeah, and I just wanted to add to that, Hakeem, because you're so right, the investment is really crucial for the vegan movement to succeed. I'm really motivated by the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. I think a lot of us are. And for those to be reached in Africa, it's going to take over, you know, 300 billion to 400 billion dollars mobilized from the private sector, invested into African businesses every single year from now until 2030 for the SDGs to be met. That's, you know, no hunger, you know, equal opportunities for across genders, all of these goals. And um, one thing that we're working on at the Vegan Africa Fund is obviously investing with impact. And so part of our mission is to have BAF ambassadors in every single country um, to do exactly what you were saying, Anant, to have young people going out into the community, engaging in conversations about veganism. And we sponsored a corporate club football team in Uganda who's been traveling for the past few months, educating the communities. And one aspect that we're really looking at is having conversations with the youth, with children about veganism, about a plant-based diet and just, you know, having fun with them. You know, you're at a football game, you see these players are doing awesome, they're winning and they're plant-based. And in Kenya, the Vegan Society of Kenya is going around to schools and helping them establish gardens, teaching the children about gardening and eating a plant-based lifestyle. And I think there's a really big opportunity and um, a really big need to really start motivating, you know, pe people as young as we can um, in explaining the vegan diet, because just from a you know, an ethical and, and animal rights perspective, it feels so much easier and so much more natural to communicate the situation to children and have them understand it much more easily that animals are our co-companions on this earth, that they're not here to be our commodities. Um, and I think that that is definitely somewhere we should be putting a lot of energy and time as well. Yeah. For sure. So uh, I know, Bola, you've been doing some work in schools as well, right? 
Yes, we have a, an advocacy platform for veggie victory. So we go around schools uh, to educate kids on plant-based eating. And then you always find out like um, the first time I, I spoke with some kids, it was at a school book fest. So there were a group of students from about five schools and they were there and I was discussing with them. The introduction was like, okay guys, um, you know, the like we were talking about uh, a balanced diet. Can you guys tell me about Mm -hmm. balanced diet and their sources and stuff and uh they talked about carbohydrate their protein and and then i said okay let's talk about protein protein where do you source your protein and everything they mentioned were from animals and i said oh but you were told that you can source protein from plants from animal and somebody said yes uh it's beans so it's it's really like uh absorbed to them for their mother to serve them jollof rice, a plate of jollof rice and uh, add beans because their own understanding of sources of protein from plants is uh, in granular form. So it was so like uh, surprising to me that even it comes from the education, how you know the youth are being educated at school. So um, I have to explain to them, you know, this, we have uh, things like soya beans, you have this, you can actually make Moi moi out of your beans and it becomes like something you can add to your jollof rice and eat, you know, without beef or without chicken. And they were surprised. So that shows that we have to actually start from the, you know, from the young ones. We have to start from when they are small, when they are young. Yeah, most some of them have puppies, you know, that, that they love. But do is is it is it is it wise to love one animal more than the other, you know? Like you, you love your puppy, you can't eat your puppy. You, like, you love your kitten, you can't eat them. But you can eat beef, you can eat fish. So what's, what is the difference there? So that's when we actually focus more on educating the young ones. And I got a call for, uh, from some, uh, like a, a, a family and the woman was saying, oh, she wants to come to, 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 to get her product. Where can they get that? Our daughter came home and she said, Oh, she actually had a plant meat, you know, tasted and she tasted the plant meat somewhere. And mommy, this is the meat I would like us to, because um, from the education, she was educated. She knows what the cattle rearing is being done to the planet and also what it can result in. Because I, I have to educate them and tell them like, okay, we all have uh, in our family, in, in Nigeria, especially in our family, we all have somebody battling with uh, high blood pressure, high cholesterol and everything. If not our parents, there's a grandparent or something. So I have to let them know, we have to educate them and let them know that it starts from when we are young. It doesn't just come up one day. It doesn't, it doesn't just start. And then we have this conflict from the, the Fulani Earthmen. Um, it means like, because the demand for cattle is very high. So you see the Northerners moving their cattle all the way from the north to the west. And while doing that, they are going through people's farm, destroying their farms and everything. So it's bringing conflict. So we have to let the young ones know that, okay, there are actually other ways that you can do this to prevent this one from this. So it has been really like a great experience. And um, from there, we can, see, we, we can see from them that they are paying it forward. They are paying the education because they get home, they ask their mom, their dad, a lot of questions, which give the parent a food for thought, so it makes them think also. Awareness is absolutely key. It's not just uh, another vegan market that is so hyped now. It really need a lot of awareness. So all this school outreach, we are doing a restaurant outreach, getting the meat substitutes into people's mouth. You know, that's the highest conversion. Um, vegan challenges. ProVeg is doing a lot of work there, Africa. So um, it goes hand in hand and very similar to other places. I think in Hong Kong, it was the same way. It's not just, oh, let's have some products, but it also does not work without products. You know, we don't have many products here. So you can't convince people without any product, you know. Um, so it's we're working on all fronts here. Financing with Sunny, very important. Milk definitely should be already much bigger. You know, we see that... Uh, uh, um, plant-based milk is already having 10% of, uh, of the market. I think it's still far. We don't, in Nigeria, to find a, a locals, we don't even have a local soya, soya milk. There was one that even stopped, you know. Everything is imported, and this importation does not work, you know. Um, um, yeah, so lots to do, lots of opportunities.
just thinking about sort of closing statements now from each of you, like from my perspective, um, you know, the, the, there's definitely the importance when you have products to maybe focus on the, the health side. Um, I think from an investor point of view, they need to be more open-minded, especially to use local ingredients. Um, and, you know, there is massive opportunity, but there's also massive uh, issues that we need to overcome for the spread of, of animal farming starts to create even more dangerous situation than, than we already are in. So it would be great if each of you can just have a closing statement to wrap up this great panel discussion today. Yeah, um, I would just like to close by saying thank you, Anand, for bringing us all together, speaking with all of you, Hakim, Ashiaki, Bola, um, truly was inspiring for me and to hear your perspectives. One reason why I felt called to start the Vegan Africa Fund was looking at the numbers. Africa as a continent is importing 40 billion US dollars more worth of food than it exports every single year. And to learn more that a lot of those imports are meat and dairy products just really speaks clearly to how unsustainable this path to development is. And at the same time, there are so many amazing, abundant local materials, local ingredients that we can be producing at scale to have a more equitable plant-based future. So I'm very excited to be on this journey with all of you. I'm excited for the growth that's to come because we know that the vegan food market is projected to grow over 500% in the next decade. And I hope to see all of your businesses, all of our businesses flourish during this time period. Um, the Vegan Africa Fund is working to make sure a lot of that wealth creation can happen in Africa by providing initial startup and expansion capital to entrepreneurs and founders who are on this journey. So thank you all for all that you're doing. Um, we are working with VAF to scale the vegan movement in Africa. And just having this conversation is really reiterating to me why it's so important that it happens. So, um, yeah, so same in Ghana, you know, it's really exciting to see <clears throat> just the smaller, you know, they, they're not necessarily, you know, startup stage or whatever. You just have people making their own coconut milk or tiger nut milk and all that. It's really inspiring to see people really go hard with their small Instagram followers and stuff. I think that the more we, 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 we create the awareness and the education, um, the bigger we'll be because this stuff tastes good. You know, if it tastes good, Ghanaians are drinking it. You know, so it's like, and we have it, you know, we have the peanuts, we have, we have the coconut, we have the tiger nut, we have the tropical almond, um, we just need to encourage and we just need to educate people, both people who could produce it and um, both people who would consume it. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens. And thank you, Anant. Yeah, thank you, Anant. And thank you, Asakia and Sonny, Akim, thank you. It's going to be a very tough journey, you know, to, to really get people to go plant-based. But um, there's this saying that if we all can reduce our dependence on importation, we can reduce that. If we can reduce the beef that we are putting in our plates, and it will make a big difference. So I'm so excited going on this journey. It has been like, very, very tough and a very amazing experience. And I'm also looking forward to the next decade. And thank you for the opportunity you give us, Anand, for today. So thank you, guys. Thanks, Anand, for bringing us together. I think that's the best thing uh, to start with, bringing people from South Africa, East Africa, West Africa, Ghana, and, and uh, Northern Africa together and really it's always, it's not only in the plant-based or vegan scene, it's everywhere, all, all the African industries, you know, we need to work together. So we need to start talking together. And the, everybody has the same issues. We get calls from Botswana, you know, similar, you know. Um, uh, Africa uh, is really, for me, the, the, the future. Um, it's not so much about reducing meat, it's about preventing meat, you know. Uh, and that will definitely help the world. If we're not getting it right here, um, I, especially big countries like Nigeria, um, and then, and then all, it's similar to India, China. If those countries are, are swinging the meat way, then uh, I think globally we, 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 we don't have a chance. You know? So uh, Africa is playing a key role to, um, to, to, to have a plant-based vegan future. Yeah, it was great to have you all on the panel. I really appreciate your time. It was a fantastic discussion. 
lots to think about, but also lots to do. So I really hope people get behind the, the continent and really start to improve things and start investing money where, where they should be to, to make a bigger impact and a faster impact that we all need. So thank you again, everyone, and uh, hopefully speak to you again soon. Thank you. Bye to London, bye to Ghana, bye to Kenya. Bye, everyone. <laughs> bye, everyone. <laughs>